content hangover packers fans welcome back to another season of nfl football with a packers focused podcast cheesehead hangover my name is garrison anderson and sitting next to me is my sister sarah anderson hi people we missed you hope you missed us and we missed football uh and we got some beers cracked open and we're ready to talk some football what are you drinking over there sarah well in the theme of fall and football and all things sort of maybe taking a step towards being right in the world i'm drinking an oktoberfest there you go it's always right in the world when you got a beer in your hands and i have a little bit of a hazy ipa with me today uh, so for those of you that listened to us last season, uh, we're coming back to you this season to talk everything Packer football. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of different structure for uh, this season of podcasting. We're going to do a lot of the NFL league-wide stuff up front, and then we'll dive into the Packer game of the week and break down the past game that we had, and then we'll look forward to our next upcoming matchup. Um, so that's going to be the setup. Uh, but yeah, to start things off here, Sarah, how much did you miss football? (laughs) I miss football a lot. Um, you know, we were supposed to start with OTAs and an off season program where you see people in football gear, not necessarily playing, but at least in the gear and making a show of it. And, you know, basically after the draft, which was not really like a real draft. We had nothing until this week. Exactly. It definitely snuck up on me. I mean, I love the draft for when when it was here, and I wish it could have been in Vegas like uh, the NFL had planned it to be. But then all of a sudden, like two weeks ago, you were I had the feeling like, oh shit, football's right around the corner. And then the air started to get a little cooler, and it was like, Oh shit, it's here. It was Thursday night and the Chiefs kicked off against the Texans and we have a football season. Exactly. So as you mentioned, we had the Chiefs kicking off against the Texans this week. And of course, the Super Bowl champion Chiefs uh, kicked off the season with a win with some fans in the stands, which for the most part went okay. Except that one guy. Except that one guy. There's always that one guy. Uh, For those of you that don't know, uh, there was one guy uh, in the Chiefs stadium that tested positive after the game. It wasn't a player. It was a fan. Uh, And the Chiefs had to notify, I think, about a dozen people that were within this person's vicinity. And they all get to quarantine. They all get to quarantine. For two weeks. But the positive thing here is none of the players or coaches out in the field uh, in the week since the first Thursday kickoff, we're recording this on Thursday night, a week after the game. None of the coaches or players tested positive for COVID. So that's certainly a good sign, a first good sign that we can get this season in. I will say that the NFL has an impressive testing regimen, and I think that's going to be key for them to keeping this season afloat, keeping this season on schedule, and keeping games on track opposed to maybe like college football, where it's a disaster on every level. On every level. And we'll talk a little bit more about disasters later in this uh, segment. Um, But to talk a little bit about the games that were played this past week. What uh, a great way to start the season. uh, It was a pretty good way to start the season. I mean, like, NFL is always 
deceptive and like the first week of the year is always kind of weird because you you get uh you get games where you get the result that you expected like the packers beating the vikings uh but then you also get some upsets and some question marks so i pulled out a couple games that i thought were upsets and a couple games i thought were question marks so for the upsets i had the washington football team beating the Philadelphia Eagles and then the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Indianapolis Colts. What do you think of these two outcomes and what did you have any thoughts about that at all? Well, for the most part, I didn't think either would happen. Um, I believe, I mean, I know Washington was down a good chunk early on and came roaring back to win this one. Um, which is not in their character if you look at games of old. Um, and then the kind of the same thing with Jacksonville. Like everyone thought they were tanking. Like that's what that was the common theme because they have they, they let traded Yannick and Yahweh to the Vikings. They cut Leonard Fournette, and turns out that's just what they needed to do because they went blow for blow with the Colts and came out on top and. I certainly wasn't expecting that one. Well, and it's not like Yannick Ngakwe did a whole lot for the Vikings. So they, I mean, did they know something none of us knew? I guess. I mean, we haven't seen preseason. We haven't really (laughs) seen practices. There's only so much those of us who are not in the media have seen and and can possibly know. So, you know, and who doesn't love a little Minshew mania? I mean, when when you got the jorts, when you got the mustache, it's all good. Um, so those are a couple of the upsets of the week. When you look at other games throughout the league, you also start to get some question marks where they're not surprises, but they, they make you question some storylines we maybe heard prior to the season starting. I, I went through another kind of upset slash maybe surprise yeah, game in there as the Cardinals 49ers. Yeah, and that was one of my question mark games because... The Cardinals, uh, which uh, have Kyler Murray, the number one overall pick from last year as quarterback, uh, beat the 49ers 24-20 to in the first game of the season. And obviously the 49ers are coming off a Super Bowl loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, what stood out to you about that game? Um, you know, I thought the Cardinals would be competitive. I thought, you know, they'd make it a good game. It's the NFC West. We know the NFC West teams like to beat up on each other. And then after they finish beating up on each other, like to beat up on the rest of the league, which is why, um, you know, they had both of the wild, or they, you know, had, had a chance. They were came pretty close to taking both wild card slots last year. Yeah, and I was really impressed with, the Cardinals I got to watch a little bit of that game and it it looked like the Cardinals have a lot of speed with DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake both being on the team and really weren't on the team for all that long last year Kenyon Drake had a few games in and having that kind of speed at the running back and wide receiver position to complement a fast quarterback like Kyler Murray it just seemed to blend together really well. And, I mean, I think DeAndre Hopkins, that might be the acquisition of the season. It's what that Cert- team offense needed. It's what Kyler Murray needed. And I think it's what DeAndre Hopkins needed because mm. the Texans, 
I don't know that he was achieving everything he could at the Texans, given how they their style of play, given Deshaun Watson's style coach, of play, given their coach, their system. Their coach slash GM, Bill O'Brien. Who had some of the weirdest draft picks yep. segments during the entire draft. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you certainly see that in uh, DeAndre Hopkins' uh, output in this week with getting uh, 14 catches, and we'll talk about another wide receiver who got 14 catches later on in the show here. Um, but yeah, I mean, with that, and then also the 49ers, just you, you always got to wonder, is it a little bit of a hangover, as people will say the storyline is for them now? But it, with that division, with the Cardinals, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Rams, those are all tough teams in the same division, and it is certainly shaping up to be the best division in football. I mean, right now they have three teams that are 1-0. That's pretty darn good after one week, considering two of those teams played each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of one of those other 1-0 NFC West teams, uh, the Los Angeles Rams beat the Dallas Cowboys and the Mike McCarthy-led Dallas Cowboys 20-17. Uh, to 17. And I thought that was kind of an interesting game for the first Sunday night football game in America. Um, those of us with this being a Packer podcast... Uh, we know Mike. We know Mike. <laughs> Mike loves his three and four wide receiver sets. And I... It's tough for me because I, I think we're going to really see how good of a coach Mike McCarthy is. And certainly they have three good wide receivers out there in Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and uh, C.D. Lamb. But I really just don't know if Mike McCarthy knows how to drive the Ferrari. <laughs> I think that's a fair question. I mean, things change. And when he was hired as a Packers, he was on the cutting edge and new and innovative. And he took a year off from coaching, somewhat intentionally, somewhat less intent, you know, less of a choice. <laughs> Couldn't get a <laughs> but, job. But, um, you know, he took time to examine how to become cutting edge again. And he thought he had it. But I think it's also important to remember, like, installing a whole new coaching philosophy and system basically in three weeks of actual interaction with the players sounds impossible. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it will be. And I think any team with a new, a fully new system is going to struggle this year. I mean, Washington, the Washington football team has a new system, but I think that was more of a fluke. I mean, and what was interesting about this game to me is that this game for being the first game of the season really was pivotal for both franchises the Rams were, I believe, opening up their new stadium in L.A. Um, they've had kind of a chip on their shoulder the last couple of seasons after getting to the Super Bowl and then not getting even close. And then, you know, the Cowboys, they got rid of Jason Garrett. He's gone. Mm -hmm. It's time to turn the ship and head towards the Super Bowl land. Yep. Um, and that this is not how you start that. Yeah, no, certainly not. And we'll we'll see how that team develops over the course of the year. And then the last sort of question mark game I want to toss in there for our uh, warm-up of the other NFL teams is the New Orleans Saints defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 34-23. to And of course, the storylines coming into this game are the Saints being primed for another strong run into the playoffs, but then, of, of course, everyone's dar darling, Tom Brady, uh, coming out on a new franchise, which looked weird. 
Yes. Simply, it did. simply put. <laughs> uh, and the the offensive performance was not as well as it could have gone. No, and this I would is say the... what, one of the stats I really ho- hooked onto is this is Tom Brady's third game in a row with a pick six. I know, and if he has one more, I believe he ties the record for all time. I believe so, yeah. So we'll see what happens this weekend, guys <laughs> and gals. But you know what was weirder, weirder than seeing Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform? Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform. <laughs> but it's 2020. Weird things happen. Um, but honestly, I think this game is an overreaction. I think Tom Brady still is a great quarterback, much to my chagrin. Um, he's, he's going to be better than average until the day he retires. Um, but is he going to be the elite quarterback that he has been in years of old? Probably not. And I think him figuring that out. And I think Bruce Arians figuring it out and figuring out how the two of them can work together in this system is going to take time, much like it's going to take the Cowboys time for Mike McCarthy to do to install his philosophy and and get the team on the same page. And that's the one thing nobody had this year. And so for systems and and coaching quarterback duos that have had continuity, they have a huge leg up this year. Certainly so. And you're so right to say the, the fact about the quarterback. I mean, the only worst thing to have coming into a new system to start this year than a head coach would be a quarterback. Uh, Okay. So, we got through some of the games. Uh, we're going to have a couple segments uh, talking about the NFL here uh, where we kind of go a little bit different. Um, so this first segment you're going to hear every week is uh, kind of in honor to 2020, let's say. Uh, 2020 has been a shit of a year uh, between coronavirus. Oh, let's go back to January. Let's first... go back to January. You, you start us out in January. So in January, you may not remember, this was a very long time ago as far as disasters. It was like 10 years ago. As far as disasters go. Um, But you may not remember that Australia was on fire. It was a huge fire. It was record setting. It almost destroyed cities. Like there were burnt koalas. People were knitting things for all these poor animals and people. And it was terrible. There was plagues of locusts in Africa. And that was February. And so, you know, we had fire, we had plague, and then, you know, the plague of locusts literally eating everything. And then what's crazy about that plague is it started moving around and consuming, like, literally everything in one country, and then the next, and the next, and the next. And it's still going, but we don't hear about it, because then came March. And we got COVID-19, our first global pandemic of the 21st century, and hopefully the only one, because we only had one really big one in the 20th century, the 1918 mm-hmm. flu. Mm-hmm. And then we were good for a whole whole century, like 102 years. We were due. But we were due. <laughs> uh, so so with that, I, I, I think oh, the... Per- and I- then, don't forget all the hurricanes, the yes. current wildfires, and there of were course. a whole bunch of other disasters. Oh, the protests, George Floyd. Yeah. Like, it's been a year. Yeah. I mean, T's and P's to everyone this year, honestly. But I think the perfect summation of this year is the, the sort of gift that you'll see sometimes where it's a, it's a dumpster, it's getting washed away by the water, and the dumpster is on fire as it's getting washed down the street. And that's 2020, basically. So I figured we need a segment to kind of like reflect that. So 
This is going to be the NFL floating dumpster fire of the week segment, uh, where we talk about something we view as a floating dumpster fire of the week and uh, talk about it for a minute or two. Um, so I had a hard time picking between two as far as NFL games and I'm keeping it to NFL games this week, but it could be other stuff down the road. Uh, my runner up, I got to mention is the Bengals losing 16 to 13 against the Chargers. Uh, there was a last chance, uh, field goal to try to tie it, uh, to 16 to 16 and force overtime. But the Bengals kicker, Randy Bullock got a cramp in his calf as he was kicking the ball and missed the field goal. So, I mean, talk about a 2020 moment, talk about a 2020 moment, but you're probably saying to yourself, Garrison, why, why is that the runner up? Well, the Cleveland Browns are a team. (laughs) And they try to play football. They try to play football, but they certainly didn't have a great game. Uh, They lost in week one, Six to thirty-eight versus the Baltimore Ravens scored the fewest points of any any NFL team uh, in the game in the slate of games this week. Baker Mayfield went twenty-one for thirty-nine, one hundred eighty-nine yards, one touchdown, one interception. The team had three fumbles, two of them lost, and ended up being negative two in the turnover margin. Um, and it was just a really bad game. It was a dumpster fire. I mean, let's be real. We were not expecting the Browns to win. But we were expecting them to show up. Mm -hmm. And they certainly didn't. So uh, currently we're recording on Thursday. We're a couple minutes away from kickoff between the uh, Dumpster Fire of the Week, Cleveland Browns, against the runner-up for Dumpster Fire of the Week, Cincinnati Bengals. And Somebody has to win. Somebody has to win. So... Or it's a tie. Or it could be a tie, which might be next week's Dumpster Fire of the Week. We'll see. Um, So that is your Dumpster Fire of the Week that's floating down off the river. Um, And then one other segment I kind of want to do just to bring a little bit of a better note to the overall NFL news is an underrated story of the week. Let's just have one more thought about the Browns. I really don't want to, but okay, go for it. We expected a fair amount of them this year. They've had a lot of potential, a lot of promise. They've gotten a lot of really high first-round picks. They have a lot of talent on that team. And I think that's why this is such a dumpster fire. I, I think that's a good point. I, Yeah, when you think about their team with giving Miles Garrett an extension, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry... You, you already burned through this excuse last year that it was the coach because you fired Freddie Kitchens after the first year. And we'll see how it goes the rest of this year. But, yeah, it's not great. Five and nine is looking better and better all the it's time. It's looking better and better every day. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> so, underrated story of the week. Um, a bit of news that came out this week is the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame released their 130 modern era nominees For those of you that don't know, the NFL Hall of Fame typically has this process where folks are nominated and they get in a semifinalist, finalist stage to whittle down to the finalists and then people get accepted to it. Um, So the class for 2021 got announced and it's got some notable names on it. It's got some familiar names on it. Yeah. So uh, why don't you roast down, Sarah? Who Who are some of the familiar names folks might know? 
Well, if we go back a few years, folks should be familiar with Leroy Butler. He, mm -hmm. uh, I believe it was his second time being a finalist last year. Mm -hmm. He's been in this game a little while. Um, to be fair, he's a safety. Um, and safety has been very uh, ignored position group by the Hall of Fame voters up, up to this point. Although there has been trends in recent years to start acknowledging that and amending for past oversight um so but Leroy Butler is now the last player I believe of the 90s all team not to be in the Hall of Fame um so Packers fans will remember him from the the Super Bowls of the era of the 90s um he's phenomenal player phenomenal career definitely deserves to be in by many accounts and last year got to be a finalist for the second second time which seems about right for a yeah. safety of his era. Um, and so it's good to see him back on this list and back in the running. But this year is kind of a tough class. Uh, yeah, and certainly there are some other Packers that folks will recognize on the nominee list. Uh, some including Donald Driver, Ryan Longwell, Sterling Sharp, Nick Collins, all of whom are great players but probably won't get far on this process early on. Um, but there are a lot of notable first-timers on this nominee list, including Charles Woodson, the former mm -hmm. Packer, uh, and then also Peyton Manning, Jared Allen, former Viking, and Calvin Johnson, former Lion. Yeah, and especially um, because in this process we'll get to 25 semifinalists, 15 finalists, and then five selected to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so with Peyton Manning... Um, he's a first-time Hall of Famer. He's going to be a first-time Hall of Famer. That slot's taken off. So that's four. And, you know, there's a lot of other people who have been in the running here for a while, especially in that quarterback group. Mm -hmm. um, that That's going to make this a tough a tough year for, for some of these more less notable positions to get in. Yeah, and certainly one of the reasons this is an underrated story of the week is because it's so great when these players get nominated, they get looked at, they get thought about. Um, but I wanted to talk about it for a second because uh, David Baker, who's the president and CEO of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he's a very large man. If you've ever watched the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection portion, which is typically on NFL Network during the week of the Super Bowl, he's the big guy who comes up and knocks on the doors of the players and gets to give them that great news that, hey, you're a Hall of Famer. Um, so he gave an interview to Rich Eisen uh, today, actually, uh, and he talked a little bit about how that television segment where he knocks on the door actually came into being. Um, so during his first year uh, heading the Pro Football Hall of Fame as its president and CAO, uh, he was giving phone calls to the various guys getting in. So he called Michael Strahan, he called Warwick Dunn. Um, and then, this sounds like a great job. Yeah, it sounds like a great job. Uh, but then he calls a he calls a guy Ray Guy, uh, the former punter for the uh, Las now Las Vegas Raiders, um, and he gives. <laughs> Isn't that the, weird to hear? It's so weird to say. I almost tripped up. Uh, but uh, Baker picks up the phone, gives Ray Guy a call, and he says to Ray Guy, "It is my great pleasure to." And then he hear Ray Guy drops the phone and falls to the floor. And then after about two minutes of crying, Ray Guy's wife consoling him, <laughs> uh, getting him collected, 
uh, Baker said in hindsight, he thought, oh no, I killed one of my first Hall of Famers. <laughs> uh, but Ray Guy said to David Baker, uh, I don't think I understood until now how much this means to me. And then Baker started to get the percolating thoughts of, we need to get this moment on camera and captured because it means so much to these players. And I thought that was kind of a cool story about how it, Ray Guy was really the one who made the thought fully come into form for the moment where we get to see players react to getting the knock on the door and everybody's cheering and celebrating for them. You're a Hall of Famer! So I thought that was a cool story this week. Yeah, and it's a fun process, and it'll be fun to see to see who on the Packers slate gets gets how far. Um, you know, Donald Driver, Charles Woodson. Donald Driver probably not this year. Wide receivers are kind of a dime a dozen, especially with Calvin Johnson being in in the running, um, and new folks coming in like Wes Welker and Roddy White. It's gonna be that's kind of a tough group. Tight ends couple Keith Jackson Wesley Walls both had appearances in Green Bay Jeff Saturday had an appearance in Green Bay mm-hmm. Seth Joyner Alan Rossum I mean Nick Collins deserves to be to be up there but I mean Charles Woodson probably is going to go pretty far he had stellar careers in multiple locations um Leroy Butler hopefully will continue his yeah. slow climb towards towards um Hall of Fame induction um, and it, it, it'll be great to see it's, I, it'll it's just a, be great to see it's, um, it's always a, a feel good story yep definitely so now let's now that we got through our dumpster fire and our underrated story of the week let's get into the stuff that really matters Packers football um, what a way to start the season well I, I don't think there's any better way to start the season than a win over the Minnesota Vikings and the only thing potentially better would be a win over the Chicago Bears depending on the score and if it was at Soldier Field exactly um so where do you want to start with this game Sarah would you do you want to start talking about the Packers defense or the Packers offense or what what, what are you feeling let's let's start with Let's start with defense and work our way up to the offense with, okay. a, with a, a quick detour to special teams somewhere in the middle. <laughs> somewhere in the middle. So, I do we want to go low to high or high to low? Uh, you, you know, whatever you're feeling. <laughs> let's, let's go high to low. So, <laughs> the high point of this game defensively for the Packers has to be Jaw. Jair Alexander. What a freaking game. Mm-hmm. What a second quarter. A sack for a safety, an interception, all within the span of a single quarter. Like, he came out on fire and delivered. And that is utterly impressive. Um, and it was funny hearing him talk about the, the play where he sacked Cousins for the safety. Because that was actually a mistake. Um, that was not the play call. That was not his assignment. And he reacted. And he reacted, he committed, he reacted fast, and his instinct paid off, paid off in a huge way. Although I really kind of want to know what Patton said to him that he would not repeat for reporters. <laughs> uh, yeah, certainly. It was, a, it was a great game for Jair, and I think it, it really sets him up to have the positive momentum and the type of year 
sort of like Stefan Gilmore or Tredavious White for the Bills have had in past seasons where it's just outstanding Pro Bowl years, all pro type years. I don't believe Jair's ever been an all pro and nope, working yet. working towards getting those really top tier recognitions because he's the type of talent that's a top tier talent. He really truly is. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say he's Green Bay's number one cornerback. He has the right attitude and he's this is his third season. Yeah. <laughs> he's not ex- like experienced by any means, but he's just good and he has the right mentality, the right skill set and he's able to to capitalize and make it work. And, you know, in addition to all that, he had had five tackles, four of them solo. Um, You know, you can't ask for much more. No, you really can't. Um, And then, of course, I I think one of the other defensive highlights, although the Packers gave up a bunch of yards and some touchdowns. it was the of, low part of the game. Yeah, and a lot of that came in what folks were probably consider garbage time to some degree. Um, but I think uh, definitely you got to look at Zadarius Smith's sack, which is always good to see Zadarius or Preston Smith get a sack. Uh, Zadarius' sack was uh, the only other one besides Jagger's sack for the safety. Um, and that, I, I think the other thing to look at with the pass rush was you had Z, you had Preston, but you also had Rashawn Gary out there for a fair amount of the game. And when the snap counts uh, came out for the week, uh, Preston and Zadarius were both around 80% when last year they were up around 90 And then you saw Rashawn Gary go from about 30 40% snap count all the way up to about 65%. Um, so I thought that was an interesting development, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think the other player worth mentioning is probably Chris Barnes, who came in, um, you know, he wasn't really projected to be the starter alongside Christian Kirksey. Um, One of our undrafted free agents, Chris Barnes. Yep, and um, he had a very respectable game. He definitely came in, played a huge role, I believe had a couple tackles for loss, and um, yeah, two tackles for loss and, and five solo tackles to to really make a difference at a position that was kind of a hole for the Packers. Um, uh, Kamal Martin, our fifth round draft pick was projected to start alongside Kirksey um, and then got injured and is going to be out for quite some time. Oren Burks was kind of thought to be the person starting alongside Kirksey. He didn't play due to injury. Um, and so that, you know, it kind of at the start of the game looked like the Packers were scraping the barrel, you know, the bottom of the barrel to get somebody else out there at that inside linebacker role. But Chris Barnes really showed up and showed why he's here. And that's good because got to have more than one inside linebacker. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, And then I think since we're working high to low, obviously the low of this game was seeing uh, our big guy up front, Kenny Clark, go out with an injury for uh, the second half of the game. Yeah, and that injury does not look particularly good granted the Packers are usually pretty quiet when it comes to how players are recovering from injuries but Kenny Clark has not practiced yet this week Mm -hmm. yeah certainly so and then uh we'll just mention the couple other injuries in the game that were notable 
at this point with uh, two offensive linemen going down, Lane Taylor getting a gruesome injury and now being knocked out for the season, and then Lucas Patrick uh, also getting an injury and being knocked out for the second half of the Vikings game, but has come back to practice and is on track to play against the Lions. Yeah, he was a full participant in practice today. And so that he at least is trending in the right direction. Um, as I believe is uh, Billy Turner, who was also a full, full participant in practice today after sitting out Sunday with an injury, um, a knee injury of some sort. Yeah, there we go. Um, anything else you wanted to mention? I mean, maybe about the Vikings offense. Um, I thought it was it was interesting because both Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison did have some success running the ball against the Packers, which initially early on in the game uh, was a frustrating thing to see because we ended the season last year with the taste in our mouths of the 49ers running up and down us the entire game and to have the total Vikings rushing be for about 22 carries between Cook, Madison, and Cousins for 134 yards and 6.1 per carry. Certainly not where you want to be exactly. No, it's not where you want to start. And I would say between between the run run game defense as well as the big letting a lot of explosive plays, um, there are concerns on defense. There are things this team needs to shore up. Um, I don't know that it's fair to the Packers offense to expect them to get 500 yards every week. Um, and, you know, our defense let the Viking get, Vikings get three, over 380 yards of offense. Like this was when they could have shut this game down in the third, especially in the third, third and fourth quarter, they didn't. And that's yeah. concerning. I, I think the the good part, uh, the other view to take of this is we played three really good quarters, letting Minnesota only score 10 points in the first three quarters. Although they were knocking on scoring by the very end of the third. That's true. Um, but then they scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. But overall, the defense did have a lot of good holdups, uh, stopping the Vikings from scoring in the early half of the game. Uh, and that really contributed along with the turnovers to the time of possession for the game, which was outstanding for the Packers and really played into the Packers being able to score later with the Packers having over 40 minutes out of the total 60 minutes per time of possession. Yeah, and a huge factor in that was really the Vikings really had to resort, either had big plays or by the time they were scoring, re- resorting to a very up-tempo offense yeah. that our defense just they, could not They had respond. to take the big play shots. They had to. They had no choice. And we did not prevent them from doing it. But fortunately, I'm going to use this as a pivot. There you if go. you're ready to go. Yep, let's go. Uh, our offense was able to respond every time the Vikings scored. And that's what kept this game as as dominant in the Packers' favor as it was. And it, it really was because of the offense. Yeah, certainly so. And uh, Aaron Rodgers said during one of his interviews, when when J.K. Scott only punts once in a game, it's a pretty good game. <laughs> Especially when there are no turnovers. He did, I believe, have a, a kind of a side about the turnover part. And that's exactly what the Packers did. They only had to punt once. Um they, you know, did go for it on fourth down a couple of times, and that was not 100% successful, but that's okay. Um, even when it wasn't, backing them up, backing the Vikings up to basically the one-yard line, 
opened up the opportunity for the safety, which um, started, you know, swinging the momentum in the Packers direction. And so it worked out. It's not how you would script a game, but it works. Um, but 522 yards of offense, 360, yeah, 360, over 360 passing yards, 158 rushing yards. Like this is a dominant offense. What, what stood out to you about the offense? Was it a player? Was it a particular thing coaching did? Was it a particular thing Aaron Rodgers did? What, what really jumped out to you? I know a lot of people would, would focus in on the pass, have focused in on the passing game and all the success the Packers had there, not only with Devontae, but the Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But what really struck me in this game in particular was actually the, um, the rushing game and, and how that ended up playing out. The Packers had Aaron Jones, Tyler Irving, Jamal Williams, Alan Lazard, A.J. Dillon, all rush the ball successfully. Um, that's incredible. That's spread across the running backs. Granted, you know, Will, um, Jamal and Aaron definitely carried the load when it came to rushing, but everyone had a play, everyone had a role, and that, that balance between them all and the on the rushing side of things really impressed me and made me excited to see what this offense might do going forward. Yeah, I, I certainly am excited because I think all four of those guys really complement each other well um, with Aaron Jones and Tyler Irvin having a little bit more of speed game. Um, mm -hmm. And then Jamal Williams and A.J. Dilling having a little bit more strength game and all of them being able to make catches fairly well from my understanding. Uh, I wouldn't say that for A.J. Dillon yet because I haven't seen it, but um, that's what it, we hear from the reporters who watch, who watch practices during training camp. That's what we hear. Exactly. And then, uh, I was also really happy to see a couple of plays with Irvin and Lazard uh, having sort of some jet sweep motion type plays that uh, both of them, uh, Irvin's was 21 yards and Lazard's was almost 20 yards. And those are big plays. And uh, getting those types of plays off of motion hasn't been something we've seen as much. Uh, in past years, we definitely saw a lot of a fair amount of attempts last year, but it, I never felt like it was a consistent part of our offense. Whereas this year, I feel like it might be. And I think the big difference there is speed. Um, it's he's swerving Irvin for a reason. Um, he he has a little bit different of a speed, and it it's you know I don't think it's it's not the straight line speed of just sprinting down the field, which he can do. Don't get me wrong, but it's. It's his ability to cut, which is, I think, partly why he's been so successful for the Packers in the kick returns and punt returns is because he can get that little bit of misdirection and cut and make that cut to make all of his runs very successful, like to have that speed element really pay off. Mm -hmm. um, and it, they're fun to watch. Mm. <laughs> These yeah. plays are fun to watch. Yeah, and I think it's interesting coming into this game, especially with folks... Uh, talking bad on the Packers draft class a little bit, but, uh, and we've talked a little bit before about how Matt LaFleur comes from the Kyle and Mike Shanahan system. And uh, one of the things I think with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers is their use of the fullback Kyle Juszczyk. And that was kind of an interesting thing for me in this game, looking at Josiah DeGuara. 
Um, mm-hmm. Mostly because people criticized Deguar as a third round pick. Oh, you got an H back who isn't going to do much. He's a, you drafted a fullback in the third round, essentially, is the thought there. But there were definitely plays this game where I saw Deguara go in for some good blocks, be lined up in a fullback spot. I saw at least one route where Deguara basically ran a wheel route mm-hmm. from a fullback spot, although the pass wasn't to him. I That made me think of some plays with Kyle Juszczyk that were big plays that were designed exactly like that, where it's a fullback maybe starts out in the backfield, splits out wide, runs a wheel route, and is not caught on that motion and ends up getting open. So I think about that from a personnel standpoint. It was a lot more interesting to watch this team, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the team only carrying five wide receivers. I think it's a big indication that personnel usage is going to be different this year. Yeah, and and let's see if my quick math is correct. Uh, let's see here, forty nine of the Packers' passing yards. Granted, you know that's that's a seventh of what they had, but it's a good chunk. Came from players that are not receivers. Um, they came from tight ends. They came from running backs, and I think that's what makes this offense very interesting. Is that you have all these players but very few of them are tied to a single position. Um, like Josiah, he could play fullback. He could be back there as a running back. He could be, you know, picking, you know, in pass protection. He can split out as a tight end or a receiver. You have all of our running backs can split out and be receivers. You have our receivers like Alan Lazard who are amazing at blocking. Like yeah. you have these players. Matt LaFleur La- even said he's, he's a dominator in our run game (laughs) and so you have these players that aren't as tied to whatever you know what all the other teams are slotting players in it in at as you know solid positions of wide receiver tight end running back and i think that flexibility could be really fun to watch yeah um, i'm going forward i'm looking forward to it and i we're being nerds here talking about the fringes of the roster and the personnels and all that kind of stuff but everyone's going to talk about Devonte adams getting 14 catches and tying and, and tying don hudson's franchise record for catches <laughs> and mbs bouncing back from a couple drop passes to have nearly 100 yards receiving like everyone's talking about those things that's why i think the more interesting stories are some of these other ones mm. that are a little bit deeper in the stat sheet, a little bit deeper in the depth chart, um, and you know are are hopefully foreshadowing what's going to come later in the season. Yeah, certainly so, certainly so. Um, so with that, uh, is there anything with special teams you want to mention quickly before we get to maybe our final thought of the game before we move forward? J.K. Scott having to punt only once a game. You know what? That could really benefit going down the season. He, he will he, be very well rested. That's just it. <laughs> he, he has struggled in his first couple of seasons getting, you know, to the halfway point and deeper into the season, sustaining his strength, his endurance, and everything else. Because, you know, nowhere else do you play a season this long with this many games. And he's hmm. still adapting to that. He He... He's talked about it in interviews. But he's a punter. (laughs) (laughs) I can't kick a ball that far. I am not going to criticize. 
And then the other thing I would just like to say is Mason Crosby is Mason Crosby. And I'm so true, glad he's here. True blue. Signed an extension. Still kicking. Still kicking ex- those balls through those uprights. Extending his, his all-time franchise scoring lead. Two field goals. Five extra points. 11 points total on Sunday. 100% as a kicker. Keep it up, Mason. God, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> exactly. Um Okay. Uh, any any last notable thoughts coming out of this game you wanted to highlight? Nope. I just wanted to talk about a little bit about special teams. I'm good now. Okay, that's fair. I think I think my last notable thought is, yeah, it might be an Aaron Rodgers revenge tour for Packers drafting Jordan Love, and if that's the case, I'm okay with it. Let's have a last dance moment here for Aaron Rodgers. Get another championship under the belt for Green Bay. You know, who knows what will happen in future seasons? Right now, this is the team. Jordan Love didn't even suit up. Tim Boyle is a better backup because he knows how to be a backup. And that's, that's a legit job. Like it that's, is. That is not just being ready to go into play. That is analyzing the plays, helping provide feedback, helping critique, trying to see holes in the defense that your starting quarterback might not see so that, you know, you can assist in making adjustments. Like, that is that is a job. Mm-hmm. And Tim Boyle is better than Jordan Love at it. Why? Because he knows the system. He's been in the NFL. He has the experience. And he's good at that job. He's good. His football IQ is where it needs to be to do that task. I, I mean, if anything, that's one of the nice things. And people probably don't think about it this way. People say when backup quarterbacks sit on the bench like Jordan Love is, I think what they think about is them learning by watching the starter in the game. I think they don't realize they learn a lot more by having to look at what the starter does in the game on the iPad, diagnose what a defense is doing on the iPad, and then be able to help that starter and other coaches work through what is actually going on and what went right, what went wrong. And backups do that as part of their job. They do. And, and part of it is that in game time, you don't have time. You are, you need to be doing it now. And so it's a skill. And I mean, so Jordan Love didn't even suit up. Tim Boyle did because he knows what he's doing at that job. But Jordan Love got to watch Tim Boyle. But Jordan Love got to watch and he will learn and we will see what will happen. And there, if 2020 has taught us anything, you don't know what's going to happen next. So for now, this is Aaron's team. Aaron owns it as he should. And you know what? He deserves another MVP season. And he is starting it in the right way. Exactly. Let's transition now after Packers win into their upcoming matchup against the Detroit Lions. Which Uh, talk about a heartbreaker. Talk about a heartbreaker for the Detroit Lions coming into this game. Uh, the Lions lost to the Chicago Bears uh, 27-23. The Lions were leading into the fourth quarter of this game against the Bears 6-23. to So they played 75% of a game and were ahead 23-6. to And Mitch Trubisky, of all people, scores three tu- helps score three touchdowns, three drives in the fourth quarter to come back and... Beat the Detroit Lions and to end at, the game. At Detroit. At Detroit. And to end the game, Detroit had a chance 
Matthew Stafford was cooking up a, a fourth, game-winning drive, a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter, and he had a touchdown pass set up for, uh, I believe it was his running back DeAndre Swift, uh, who's a rookie, and it turned into one of those situations, sort of like we saw with MBS, where the pass was thrown to him and kind of looked up, trying to start to run the route before the ball is actually caught. Uh, and it ended up losing the game. He dropped it. He dropped it. Uh, so coming into this game for the Packers versus the Lions, some of the storylines are definitely last year's matchups, which the coaching staff is pumping. We didn't lead the Lions at any point last year. For any amount of time. Had to, had <laughs> to win off some last-second field goals. It's a tough team. It's the return of Matthew Stafford from back injury. Uh, it's kickoff in an empty Lambo. Uh, it's the Lions, the revenge of Adrian Peterson. The revenge of Adrian Peterson, who always seems to have the Packers number. The Lions coming off, just like we said, a close loss to the Bears. Um, it's it's an interesting game from the perspective that I do think the Lions are a really good team, and they've had just had some struggles lately. It's true. Like, you know, they have the talent. I really, I really do think Matt Patricia is a good head coach. I just wonder if he made a deal with the devil and part of the deal was, okay, you can be a head coach. You just have to lose for like five years. Yeah. And you're going to have all these freak things happen to you that you're going to be so close to winning and people will be able to see that you're good. But you're going to be a loser. <laughs> so You know, it's hard to tell. It really is hard to tell. But just talk about a heartbreaker. Like, and they're not, I mean, they, they're, they're upset. They're good, and they're coming to Lambo. <laughs> exactly. And they're upset that they lost to us twice last year as well. Um, so uh, some of the stuff coming to this game. Uh, the betting lines for this game, uh, the Packers are favored by five and a half in this game. Uh, the Vegas odds are predicting that. Uh, Vegas is also predicting that both teams will combine to score uh, 47 and a half as the line. So over or under 47 and a half, you could bet. Uh, and then the public betting for that five and a half advantage for the Packers is still about 50-50. So... It it's interesting. They're definitely favoring the Packers to win this game, win it at home. What are your thoughts about how this game will go heading into it? I certainly hope we lead at the end. And maybe a little bit before that <laughs> would be really nice this year. Um, you know, I mean, I do think the Packers are the favorite. I mean, I thought they were the favorite last week too, and that game was a lot closer. I mean, I think the Lions are going to come in tough. I think they're going to come in angry. And I don't know if, you know, I see this game going one of two ways. Either the Packers get out to a quick lead and just just bury, you know, twist that knife even deeper for the poor Lions. Or the Lions are going to hang tough and they're going to keep that anger through the whole game and it's going to come down to the wire. Um, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be kind of a middle of the road kind of game it's either going to be a blowout or it's going to be just tight and we'll be in a situation we were in last year and 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 you know trying to win on a kickoff field goal um we'll see i mean that's the beauty of football um it'll be really interesting i think though to have a game at lambeau with no fans um 
This is a stadium that has been sold out for decades of games. And no one will be there. And no one will be there. It will certainly. Well, except a few media folks, the players and the coaches. Exactly. It certainly is going to be an interesting game to watch because Matthew Stafford heading up to his injury last year was... Looking good. Looking good. Going for probably almost a 5,000-yard season, being in the conversation for all-pro type player at quarterback. Um, It... It's an interesting team in that respect. The, the question for them, I think, is just will it all come together? Because I do think they do have the composite parts and uh, good enough coaching to make them a winning team. Um, it's just putting games away, which in the NFL is one of the hardest things to do. And I would say the Packers even showed, you know, you can – they got away several got away with several times last year not playing for multiple quarters, but they always showed up in the fourth quarter. And that's, you know, it's like third down, it's the money down, it's the it's it's when it counts. And you know, you can play great football, but if you can't put it away at the at the end, who cares? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things I'm going to be looking for here in this game is making Matthew Stafford throw the ball and really limiting Detroit Lions rushing because you do have Adrian Peterson who had a a solid rushing game against the Chicago Bears who have a solid defensive line. Peterson showed his old man's strength getting 14 carries for 93 yards and really being the head back uh, out of Peterson, Carrion Johnson, DeAndre Swift last week. But I do peg the Detroit Lions rushing game below the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, and Alexander Madison. And I want to see growth in that area of the defense. And then I want to see I want to see us repeat it with our offensive performance. I think the talent's there. I think the coaching showed it yesterday with attacking the Vikings defensive backs. And I think you want to see it again. You just want you to see it repeated. So. <laughs> it's true. Um, you know, I do worry about Adrian Peterson. Yes, he's been in the league forever. And yes, he is the old man. But you know what? For over a decade, he has had the Packers numbers. And he has had great games against the Packers. Some of which his team's won. Some of which we've won. Um, you know, but it's just, it's a it's a trope that just doesn't seem to die. Um, because he's still playing football. <laughs> Yeah, and then certainly too with the with the game, I I think it'll be interesting to see if Kenny Galladay plays, who didn't play in last week's game for the Lions and is questionable on the injury report this week. Um, and then and hasn't practiced yet. And hasn't practiced yet, but it, I I I guess it, part of me wants to see the growth of the defense, and I want to see. Uh, just I want to see Valdez, Scantling, and Lazard ball out again. Yeah, <laughs> so, and then, I mean I think they can. Like yeah. this is another team with, um, you know, they drafted Jeff Okuda. They have a couple young corners. They aren't as experienced in some of these, you know, in the secondary as some other tandems in the league. And and it's an area where you should test. And that's what the Packers did in this past game against the Vikings' young rookie corners. They threw at them. And it. It worked. worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then certainly I think we could see a further development this week. And we saw it this past week with 
Aaron Rodgers going to cadence and hard count and getting some free plays. One of the free plays resulting in almost a touchdown, but a big play uh, to Valdez Scantling. And, and even even a couple of the free plays that, or well, they weren't free plays because they were blown dead. But you know, the jumps offsides, mm -hmm. they were on you know third and four, third and three. It's good enough for a first down. And this year, more than any, with no fans in the stands, that's a part of the game. Like you use it as a part of the game to win and you know, win at all costs. And that's a skill he has that's elite and probably the best in the league. Yeah, and, you know, it's a, something that he's always been able to use at home, and this year you can use it in other places. You can use it all 16 of Maybe. the games. Probably. So, we'll see. Um, any last thoughts on this uh, game before we head into it this Sunday and we start to close out our show here? You know, one of the things that I think will be really interesting as it's been with all sports so far this year, or most sports, is seeing a game with no fans. And I say that particularly because it's Lambeau Field. Um, Lambeau's different than other stadiums. It always has been, and I think it always will be. It's not named after a corporation. It's named after a person. Um, and that person is not a billionaire. Um, <laughs> that person is a guy who's dead and died, you know, what is it, like 50, 60 years ago at this point? Um, and has... has legendary and lore and some other weird stories for the Packers but um it's a different venue than any other sports venue in the country and it doesn't have seats because if they put in real seats they'd have to they would only be able to they would seat like 10,000 fewer people and with the season ticket holder list as long as it is waiting list as long as it is they'll never do that and so it's going to look different even than other stadiums and that's going to be weird, but I'm interested to see it. Also, I want to, I want an offensive repeat. Yeah. I mean, I, I want us to be the highest scoring offense in the league and show, show people up a little bit here. Um, so that's my, that's my selfish thought. Um, I think my last thought for this week is just seeing more pass rush as well. I, I, we saw some of it in the past week's game, but uh, I think that is going to be a big part of it as well. Um, and I want to see Rashawn Gary continue to perform well and hopefully get his first sack of the season this week. All right. All right. Wonderful. Uh, so any parting words of wisdom for the folks out there, Sarah? Any, any advice, any things that uh, are coming off your mind to wish people well for a good week of football here? Wear a mask and wash your hands. Wear a mask, wash your hands, and you know what? Enjoy a beer inside, watch some football. It's all good. Um, thank you guys for joining us this week for Cheesehead Hangover. Uh, it's certainly a pleasure to be back with you, and we will be coming back to you next week to talk about, hopefully, another Packers victory. And with that, go Pack Go!